Hello, hello, Kit Kennedy here with another episode of Unchurchable. I've got to say, this year's already moving at lightning speed in comparison to the year that was. Uh, it's April, and since the last episode landed, a little bit's happened. I've celebrated the gaining of another candle on the birthday cake. I've performed my first stand-up comedy gig, which I just can't believe I actually did. Like, I talked about it for a while, but... I think in my heart I thought I'd chicken out, but um, my friends wouldn't let me get away with that. So it's happened, my first comedy gig, and I'm going to keep doing it because it was really fun. Um, I've also gotten through Easter, which for a lot of us can be a bit of an interesting time. If anything, um, Easter really made me think long and hard about my little corner of the hypersaturated podcaster sphere. Uh, life coach after life coach has parroted the line about how it can either be moving towards something or away from something, and there are two key motivations. And damn it, I hate it when people repeat something because it's true. Um, <laughs> A lot of us have moved away from organized religion or religion altogether and there's grief involved in that process because often there was community or family involved in that process but there comes a time where the energy of having left something starts to weigh heavily on us and it's at that point that we need to consider the need to start moving towards something and I don't think this is a binary state you're not either one or the other heaven knows grief trauma existential questions and deconstruction kind of revisits us unexpected times I think uh, you know hands up to all my PTSD 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 pals out there but I've been thinking a lot about the what now if you're safe if you're able to live your authentic life without fear of punishment if those basic things on the great Maslow's hierarchy of needs are met then what now how do we reach for that fabled self-actualization state that that place where we have meaning and purpose and contribution without answering the question of what is spirituality to me what's my ethic and purpose and the thing that makes my heart sing what is that I'm not saying it's easy to find either. Those answers were packaged up for us in the old life, the church life, and now we have to work a little harder to find it in the unchurchable chapter. So I'm starting here. Alpha Mama is this musical, mystical boss lady who walks to the beat of her own drum. Her energy seems to be about helping people find their agency, the ability to be their own authentic selves, to find the voice and the purpose that was previously taken away. I was a little fascinated with her because she too is a pastor's daughter. She too has been through some big relationship changes and the thing I love about that is that she's found a fearlessness when it comes to exploring spirituality and learning how to discern what fits right for her and what needs to be shrugged off immediately. Um, it will come as a great relief to all of us that she hasn't been struck by lightning even once. So I hope this interview will challenge and in encourage you all that it's okay to experiment with spirituality to think differently to muddle our way forward to an expression of connection with god or the divine and, and an ethic and way of being in the world that is truly unique to each of us and that fits well with what we believe is right so enjoy this episode it's full of swear words because why the heck not but i'm kit kennedy and this is unchurchable Hello and welcome to Unchurchable. This interview is happening on the one-year anniversary of me doing my very first interview for this little podcast and it's a moment but also I couldn't be more thrilled than to be sharing it with the one and only Alpha Mama. How are you today? I'm so good and congratulations, a year of podcasts. That's amazing. Well done. Thank you. And You know, it started during a pandemic and I wasn't sure, you know, <laughs> what was going to happen and how long it was going to last, but it's really allowed me to discover a beautiful tribe out there, and uh, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of um, topics to cover, and there will be still. So, but anyway, look, I've been following you for a while, um, and I really love your energy. I've heard on a podcast that you came from a church background. Mm -hmm. But what I love about you is that you really fully immerse yourself into your spiritual practice in a very embodied way now. So, Alpha Mama, why don't you do a quick intro introduction? Who are you? What do you do? Oh. And then we'll go from there. 
love that people assume it's going to be quick. <laughs> yeah, it never is, is it? Just never is. <laughs> um, okay, I'll try and I'll try and succinctly, you know, give the important things. Okay, so I'm Alpha Mama is the stage name that I've been going by since, well, like for 13 years now since I gave mm-hmm. birth to my son and I started you know, really focusing on my original music. Um, and that name has so much significance for me. It's about honouring essentially the matriarchy, honouring the the leadership of women in my life because coming, like you said, from a church background where, you know, traditionally men hold the power and men lead, in my experience it was really the women who were leading in a very different way and that was something that I wanted to honour and acknowledge. So I took the name Alpha Mama have journeyed that or it's journeyed me and initiated me (laughs) so many times into what that means and shaped me. Um, I'm a musician, a songwriter, an artist. You know, I feel like life is my is my medium yeah Uh, I have a son he's 13 he's a little dude he still strongly identifies as a Christian so you know that's really interesting as well Um, I also coach and mentor Um, I've been doing that for a few years now and what else I mean, that's pretty much it, I guess. That's like a little snippet. That's pretty much it, she says. That's a, that's a lot of things. And you know what? <laughs> it's interesting how we, we've chosen our pseudos and then they've kind of journeyed with us. I, I relate strongly with that because Kit Kennedy is a pseudo mm-hmm. um, and I chose it because of, um, you know, I'd lost connection with family um, through disfellowshipment from church but I didn't want to lose family in terms of legacy. So Kit is my paternal grandmother's name Mm. and Kennedy is my maternal grandmother's maiden name. That's so beautiful. It's so funny you say that because I'm literally going through a name change right now. Ah. And so I've been like working on dropping Alpha Mama for some time and stepping into Alpha Lumiana. And so Lumi is my paternal grandmother's maiden name. Yes. And Anna is like, because my birth name is Anita, so Anna from Anita. And so putting them together, it's like the light in the human, like the light in the smallness. So that's so interesting that we're like taking all the bits and like forging our new identities. Yeah. And it's kind of of hilarious because um, I don't know about you, but but my church experience was very steeped in patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, And my beautiful, he's now my ex-husband, he came out as gay last year um, and he'd go, he'd go, fuck the patriarchy. And I go, yes, yes, fuck the patriarchy. And he's like, no, that's not how you do it. You can't just say fuck the patriarchy because your husband told you to. <laughs> so, um, like, that, it's, it's funny, but it's there's been a journey towards um, really as a woman, I think, stepping up into my power. What has that journey been like for you coming from your background in Christianity and stepping into a more um, expansive type of identity and and spirituality? What has that journey been like for you? Take that question in any direction you'd like. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's such a big one. Okay, I'll go in phases. So Mm. my dad only established his church when I was around eight years old. So. Oh, wow. (laughs) So much resonance. Yeah. So first I was born already into, so my mum's white South African, Uh my dad's Indonesian, Uh um, and my mum left her family and married my dad and really just went into his world. And so she didn't have her community. She didn't have her family. She had nothing. So she really just like dived into the Indonesian community. So the first, I guess, you know, it was first cultural. It was about a culture. And so even Mm -hmm. though I grew up in Australia, it felt very much like I was growing up in Indonesia, you know, there was that. And then my dad, his brothers were already pastors. They had congregations in Indonesia and they would come over to Australia. And at some point, I don't know what it was. Oh yeah. So even before that, my mom, she was Catholic. And so she would like every now and then sneak me to the Catholic church. So I would go to confession. And I remember Mm -hmm. being really small and and just being quite fascinated by, you know, the idea of religion and Catholicism and, and going to confession. And the things that I was confessing was like, oh, I slept with the cat in my bed when my dad said I wasn't supposed to, you know, like stupid shit. Um, <laughs> so that was there. And it almost felt like I was living like 
basically like my life was compartmentalized and fragmented. There was, there was a version of me that was engaging with the social world. And there was a version of me that was having my own relationship with life and with God. And that was very innate from a Mm -hmm. young age. Like, yeah. I would go for walks and I would speak to the trees and speak to the flowers. And if I had a question, I would ask life and I would always get the answer. And the answer was self-sourced. So it was like self-cognition. And that was my, that was my spirituality. It was natural. It was innate. And then being introduced to religion and gradually feeling that taken away from me um, and then experiencing some sexual abuse traumas and then understanding that you know, or being taught that sex is bad and it's shameful and it's sinful. So gradually my natural, my natural yeah. connection with God and source was just, you know, degraded and, and essentially like I outsourced yeah. my connection to, and what happened to be men. So I have mm. this kind of like babushka doll imagery in my head where it's like there's my boyfriends and I open that one and my dad's inside and I open that babushka and then there's God inside and it's mm. all this you know, masculine, uh, patriarchal spirituality that I was forced into. Yeah. Um, so my dad becomes a pastor of this Indonesian congregation and I'm fascinated with the identity of being Indonesian and I yeah. kind of dive into there. I learn the language. I'm reading the Bible in Indonesian. I'm wow. singing at church. I'm playing. Um, and then I hit my teenage years and I'm horny all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I just had to laugh so hard. There's this guy, Phil Drysdale, who runs the Deconstructors Network and he, his, his return to Twitter tweet was, if you think your job's stressful, there are youth pastors out there who think it is their God-given responsibility to stop teenage boys from wanking. <laughs> and I thought, man, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's a hard job. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's. I mean, you know, there's so much we're going to get into. (laughs) Like it's really going against human nature or or not even going against human, demonizing human nature, right? Right. Pathologizing it, making it a disease. Totally. And and so there's so much incongruence in everything that I'm absorbing and everything that I think is true and the dogma of what I'm, you know, what I think is my religion. I think I'm right. There's self-righteousness and this dogma. So I'll be at school having arguments with people about why they're going to hell and why they need to, you know, they need yeah. Jesus and they need blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, like I want to fuck, you know, <laughs> I, I want to, I want like the juice of life and I'm masturbating. And I remember like falling asleep, like, should I pray or should I masturbate? Because I can't do both. If I masturbate, I'll feel awful afterwards, but that's what I really want to do. But I also want to pray, but I can't pray because then God's going to be in the room with me. So it's like so confusing, right? And then it got to this point where I just had so many questions that were irreconcilable. Um, Nobody could give me an answer that would satisfy me. And also having relationships with men and having relationships with men who um, weren't weren't Christians and learning from them and gradually getting my mind open more yeah. and more and, and realizing fuck what I think is the ultimate truth is actually it's actually not true and so many terrifying deaths you know like terrifying identity deaths of realizing the things that I've been so certain of are actually they're not true for me anymore and having to let them go and feeling yeah. the repercussions of what that means and trying to stay in my integrity the whole way. So uh, it's just like, it's been so big. Uh, mm. I'm trying to like succinctly tell the story. Um, and then anyway, getting to getting to the point where I could comfortably hold the truth that was mine in terms of my spirituality and still be in church for the social aspect and feeling like people yeah. don't really need to know where I'm at. Yeah, um, I can be here socially, but know what my truth is. Yeah, and then you know, to fully embracing uh, the heathen life of of being like a hedonist and and wanting to be a musician. You know that that was considered wrong and sinful. You know, mm. and I had no support from my dad at the time. He just thought I was like off the wrong on the wrong track. Yeah, all that stuff. yeah. Um, you know, and so it's been a, like a big journey for me the social aspect of staying in a state of love and connection with my family and my extended community and and also 
staying in my integrity and living my life and owning my life and living how I want to live and yeah. finding the bridge where I can I can have both. Yeah. Um, that's been really hard, but it but I feel I have been successful to a degree. I'm 37 now. Um, my relationship with my mom and dad is better than it's ever been. And wow, you know, I, it's so it is possible, but it's fucking hard. But it's possible, possible but fucking hard. That's um, that is that is really something. And I think that's I think you you just said something before that really resonated with me. Terrifying, painful identity deaths. Yeah. So, um, and in my other life, I do a lot of writing for people who often wax a little bit philosophical about the types of energies we can carry. And there's that away from, and there's the towards. And so many of us that have come out of these evangelical settings or, or you know, just, just Christian settings that we recognised were not right for us or that we were suffered abuse in or that we just started pulling at the thread and going, oh, hang on, this doesn't add up. So many of us are like, okay, I've gotten out of there. <laughs> and then we arrive <laughs> and it's this, like we, we arrive on the outside and some of us fight back at some of the, 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 the systems and structures that have oppressed us and others just go, okay, well, I'm out of that. And then, but, but then what? What happens next? How do we handle those identity deaths and what do we do after? Because those identity deaths are painful and, you know, there's a grieving process that I think we have to go through. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then what? So, so what's, what? give me your wisdom on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I can only speak from my personal experience and, like, to be totally honest, I don't, haven't really had much interaction with communities of mm. ex, you know, ex evangelicals or ex Christians. So I don't, I don't know what type of work people are doing. Mm. I feel so lucky and blessed in, for whatever reason, life has always offered me these people or teachers or mentors or yeah. relationships or resources that I've just needed in the moment to get my next piece. Yeah. Um, Maybe not everybody has, you know, been as privileged as me in, in that way. Um, what I've come to and what I keep returning to as I continue to, like, grow and evolve in my spiritual journey, because firstly I just want to say, like, just because you were taught that you're an infinite spiritual being and there's a heaven, like, if that's not what's authentically true to you, you don't have to, you don't have to believe that and you don't yeah. have to believe that. And I think that's that's just important for people to know. Um, <laughs> if you want to let go of the idea of God completely, it's your total fucking prerogative. And I want people yeah. to know that. But for me, God was never questionable because it wasn't a belief. God for me is an experience. God for me is yeah. a state of being. It's a, it's a connection. It's an interconnectedness to all things. It's not a person in the sky who's an angry white dude. But that had to collapse first. Yeah. And when that collapsed, it was like a returning to something I already knew that was true. Yes. And so now my spiritual illumination is very self-sourced. It's yeah. like it goes in my body first. And if it resonates for me as truth, that's when I will allow myself to, okay, I can own this. I can, I can integrate this. I can, I can use this. Mm -hmm. If it comes in, and it's like, mm, that doesn't sit right. Oh, that's a bit weird. I'm not, I'm never fucking just going to take it and go, oh, well, because you told me this, therefore it is. Like it has yeah. to have some resonance of truth. Um, so I think like where to go after that is like, yeah, the first step is like you fucking reject everything because you feel so betrayed and you feel so lied to and you feel like everyone's just told you a bunch of shit that's not true. That's cool. Have that process. Yeah. yeah. And then also like go within and like, well, what is true for me? And yeah. how do I know it's true? For me, my process is I know it's true because I, I have experienced it for myself. Yeah. Because when you experience something for yourself, no one can take that away from you. That's yes. fucking true. It's the yes. only way you know it's true is because you were there when it fucking happened. Yeah. And, and so for me, the moments of like spiritual liberation, catharsis, you know, transcendent, like all of the magical experiences that I've had, it doesn't matter if I was in a church or if I was in a fucking orgy, like they were mine. I <laughs> yeah, <there>. exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That That's very interesting because um, I think my reaction to kind of coming out of church because I'd, 
Um, I'd grew, grown up in a kind of prophetic and, and apostolic, kind of neo-charismatic movements. And it's very much this gut feeling related, like, oh, do you feel the presence of God? Do you, like, what, what's your inner man telling you? I don't have an inner man, I have an inner lady. Um, <laughs> but, like, there's all of this and we'd, we'd go to these feelings and then we'd try to interpret them as what is the voice of God telling you, mm. um, or at least that was what it was like for me. We'd do lots of prophetic training and all that kind of stuff. But then when I came out of that church and ended up in a Baptist church and then ended up in a pandemic and moving away from my hometown and going, do you know what? I love sleeping in on a Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. I, my, I, I became very cerebral. Like I became very, let's analyze, let's pull things apart. Let's divorce myself from this body that I kind of had a weird relationship in with while I was within church. Mm. Um, but there's only so long that you can live completely out of your <laughs> brain, your prefrontal cortex, your ability to analyze and, you know, place things in boxes before there's this stuckness there. Um, and before you can get really scared about feeling things, yeah. um, post-separation about feeling attraction for somebody new, for example, or about, you know, trusting your feeling of this person is okay or or this person is not or trusting yourself to make decisions based on your own gut feeling. It's like like undoing this great divorce. Um, So to talk to me about, like, I've I've seen you on um, Instagram, um, you you dance to move emotions sometimes, and I, I just laughed so hard because another beautiful friend of mine, she's she's so badass, you know. She's I think she's Zimbabwean. She's a single mom. She's becoming a DJ, and she said to me, she goes, you know, you need to just learn to dance to move emotion and move energy. And I was like, I'm too white to do that. I'm too white. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> but it's an art. <laughs> but tell me how you learned that embodiment. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, I guess so, my journey is weird. All right. It's like, I mean, oh, everybody's is. I mean, what is normal? <laughs> I came, so my spiritual journey is, is pretty weird. So, yeah, from my dad's Pentecostal, Indonesian Pentecostal church. So there's, yeah. you know, two layers of dogma there's the traditional stuff and then there's the Pentecostal stuff. And then I, I met a man who I was dating who was, um, I guess, like a Confucianist slash Taoist Chinese man. Yeah. So and, you know, gods and goddesses and things like that. And that was interesting. That kind of gave me an understanding of something other than what I knew. Yeah. And then I dated um, a Muslim man for six years who was a particular, it was a particular, um, I guess we'd call it sect um, or denomination of Islam that was very Sufiistic. So they had a very particular meditation practice and their whole philosophy was that all, like God is in everything, like everything is God. And the philosophy that they were teaching was that um, when you die, you got to return to source. And in order to know where you mm. where to go, you have to die before you die. So there was this meditation process where you die. So you know that place and you kind of connect to source. And then when you actually, when your body dies, you can go back there. So I kind of went through this like super wow. slum sort of initiation. And then um, I met my ex-husband, who's the father of my child, who was this like philosophic hippie dude who lived in the jungles of Borneo for a while and left home at 12, doesn't read or write. So is so un- unindoctrinated with Western like Bullshit. ideals. I was just <laughs> like, whoa, who are you? Right. So mm. like having these initiations in my relationships and then um, I got into Eckhart Tolle, you know, yeah. Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil, self-help, self-development, they yeah. to Eckhart Tolle, power of now, new earth, all that stuff. Then randomly I got into Scientology, which is like another fucking thing. And I was like, (laughs) holy shit, this is amazing. This is great. I was so into that for a bit. Um, And then I got into like, you know, hypnosis and the subconscious mind. I was just so hungry for anything that was going to give me a different perspective. That's how I saw it. It was like, this is a different perspective on life. Everything I've seen right now has been through the lens of Christianity and not just Christianity, like the version that somebody interpreted for me. So, so that was that. Yeah. Now let me see what other perspectives there are. And so I can take 
you know, what resonates and what doesn't. And I found there's this golden thread and the golden thread of truth that weaves all of my experiences together. And I feel like that's what I'm doing. I I sew all the different fragmented parts of my life together with this golden thread of truth that you can find in anything. You can find it reading the ingredients in a fucking soup can. You can find Mm -hmm. it in a conversation. You can find it, you know, in your self-pleasure. So anyway, um, from that dived into, I guess, like the, you know, new spiritual community, tantric communities, blah, blah, blah. I've done it all. Um, (laughs) There's a course called Dancing Eros that a friend of mine created, which is essentially an initiation into what we call the feminine. And when we say the feminine, I don't mean you're a woman, I'm a man. I mean the feminine as as a place and as in matter and in in body. So basically. Right, right. Most religions are ascendant religions, right? They yes. advocate for you. They advocate for you to ascend, and, and God is in the sky. Everything yes. is like very sky based, um, and being in the body, being in flesh, is like you're either in, in, imprisoned yeah. by it or it's sinful and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the feminine is, you know, essentially like the dark, the occult, the hidden, the mysterious, the yeah. unrevealed. So. Diving into the yeah, diving into that. One of the biggest access points into diving into the feminine is through movement. So sound, touch, breath, movement. And so I did like a lot of work in that realm. And it really is an exploration into the density of being human, which is the opposite of what religion wants us to be, right? Because that's all wrong and sinful. Mm. So I went deep into that. And now I'm kind of at this place where I don't even see them as opposites yeah i don't see spirit and matter as opposite i don't see masculine feminine as opposite i just don't yeah Yeah. everything is in everything and it's all interconnected and it's only when we're thinking on a on a two-dimensional plane that there's the illusion that things are opposites but actually it's not true because it's a multi-dimensional reality and everything is just everything so yeah that's a bit fucking meta yeah, that is. I love it though. I love it. <laughs> it because um, often in, well, within the kind of patriarchal, there's such a masculine energy about church these days. I mean, especially with these threads of dominionism coming in as, you know, to go to conquer and take over and this political energy and, and God is a capitalist and God is a Republican and all of this. It's very... Uh, <laughs> fucked up if you ask me but um i'd kind of been learning about the more contemplative forms of spiritualism and i like it the idea that god is in everything that we that you know and and even it, it seems to line up with um what scientists are getting into in terms of quantum field theories like what is this energy that connects us can we be separate from it can we not but this idea of the feminine Oof, a lot of women who've come out of churches, mm. this is a thing for because strong woman means Jezebel. Mm. And I've had to kind of reframe how I think about that because I've had that, I've had that label thrown at me, mm. um, Jezebel, and we feel so beaten down by that. But but what you're saying here is that, you know, it's this is a continuum, masculine and feminine, Absolutely. yin and yang. Yeah. Well, the whole thing for me is the illusion of separation. That's mm. that is the biggest contradiction of any kind of um spiritual teaching or or you know or religion. Right. It's it's the idea that um basically you don't get to be whole. You don't you never get to be your whole self, right? And like that's part of existence that you yeah. and I are separate. We know on a quantum level that's not true. If you go down yeah. to the micro, 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 everything is interconnected. Yeah. Um and it starts with that, right? There's like the light qualities, only be good, only like everything bad is, you know, devil is essentially like the devil or Satan. He's just tasked with the job of holding God's shadow. That's it. He's just like, all right, I'll be God's shadow. All the things that God doesn't want to be or doesn't want to be seen as, I will hold that. And that's why it's Lucifer. It's He's like essentially the enlightened one, really, because he knows it's all bullshit and he's willing to play that role. Oh, my God. Um, wow. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to sit with that one. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, And then, so coming from that, I did a rant today on my IGTV about the Madonna whore complex. Yes. So when you look at the story of, you know, Mary 
in the Bible. There's there's three Marys in the Bible, but we'll just focus on the two. One that's Jesus' mother and one yeah. that's Mary the prostitute, right? Mary yeah. Magdalene. Mm-hmm. So we know now that the story of Mary Magdalene as this prostitute is actually bullshit. We know that, yes. the church made that up. they've come yes. out, the Vatican has come out and admitted that, um, that actually she was one of Jesus first disciples. And actually like there were a whole series of churches yes. that she afterwards. Right. And there was a whole Ma- Magdalene gospel that was left out, but it's essentially <laughs> we as women have been robbed from our, our, our humanness, really, our humanness, our wildness. So we're we're not allowed to be all of who we are. We're forced to live in the upper energy centers, if you will, like yeah. the light and all of that stuff. And we never actually get to inhabit fully our experience, our human yeah. experience here. And so for me, like it, all I'm doing now is just like finding where in myself am I still telling myself the lie that there are certain parts of me that are more acceptable than others, Mm, that there are parts of me that are, you know, gooder than others. Where is that seed in me, that belief that I'm bad at my core and how can I collapse that? And, and it comes back to just, I just fucking am. That's Mm. it. I just am. And I look at all the stories about the women in the Bible and they're classified as either bad or good. And it's like, that's what we do. Right. It's like, and right. you're either good or you're bad. And we don't see people as whole beings that encompass all of the potential of what a human could be. Yeah. And for me, that's the exciting part. If I really want to be here and be alive, let me be all of it. It yeah. says in the Bible, like God is in everything, omnipresent, omnipotent. Like, so how could there not be divinity in any part of me? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I love that. I'm probably going to quote that on on the Instagrams. How could there not be divinity in all of me? That is amazing. Um, I find this just so interesting when you start talking about the shadow um, because the shadow is like the shadow work is something that we avoid so much because we feel the pressure to be in that ascendant part, that, that upper energy. So for people who are complete energy work virgins who don't understand anything about this talk to me about these different energy centers and talk to me about shadow work okay so i guess two separate things um shadow work uh, yeah so there was um let me just even where do i start okay let's start with the energy centers first let's do that let's start there so this is obviously um you know, an, an Eastern philosophy. This comes from the Vedic traditions, um, looking at your energy centers, which they would call a chakra. You don't just yeah. have seven. You actually have like energy centers all around yeah. you. But to simplify to the basic seven that are situated in, you know, along your spine mm-hmm. um, and they're responsible for certain qualities. So your root chakra is essentially about the physical matter. It's about safety and yeah. then going up to all the way to your crown. And that it would be about, you know, spiritual liberation, right, and connection right. to the force. So if you just use that as a model that goes from least dense to most dense, yeah, like energy. So this is like very open energy and then mm-hmm. like right at the root chakra, it's very dense. Most religions, including, you know, um, Eastern religions, the teaching is that you want to ascend, you want to unlock your upper chakras, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of favoured. And it's not a bad thing. Of course, like you you, you want to be able to access these energy centres. It's a form of liberation. But people often push all of their awareness or their focus into just here and they, yeah. and they think, oh, I don't need sex. I don't need pleasure. That's, that's, that's bad. Like I don't need to be attached to my human form. The human and the matter is seen as the source of all suffering and yeah. all yeah. that stuff. Um, so that's energy centers. Yeah. You know, you can read more about chakras. And then if you take the density as being represented by the word dark. We say dark light as opposites. Yeah. Dark is not really the appropriate word. The word that I like is dense and yeah. light being the opposite of dense, like absolute yeah. mass, right? So the lighter you are, the less density, the less mass you're carrying, right? But as we know, we live in, in a world that's matter essentially. So you want to be able to operate in, in both, in all of it. Yeah, um, yeah. So when we say light and dark, what we're usually talking about is the light characteristics of of life, which would be like goodness and, you know, consciousness and awareness and, you know, anything that we classify as good is put in the light category. Yeah. 
down, it's like anything that's classified as bad, it would be like evil and sin and greedy and all yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah, that's yeah. seen as dark. Anytime you have a trait or a characteristic that you don't want to be, you push it into the shadow. Right. right. And what we say when we talk about the shadow is, is the thing that I can't see. Right? Yeah, like yeah. My, I can't see my shadow. So it's been pushed into the shadow because there's a judgment around it or there's a repression around it or there's a belief that I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so it gets pushed into the shadow, but anything that's in the shadow <laughs> is going to be affecting us. The shadow is the yeah. unconscious, right, or the subconscious. It's there. It's not that it doesn't exist. It fucking exists. You just can't see it, right? Yeah. So um, the very famous uh, psychologist who, you know, talks a lot about this, whose name, I don't know why I fucking say his name all the time. Um, <laughs> and it's vanished from your mind, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> what the hell? What the fuck is wrong with me? Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah, of course. I just, ch- I, I originally didn't mark it as explicit. And then I just realized that one of the most liberating things about post Christianity is the ability to say fuck. Carl Jung, thank you. Carl Jung. Jung, of course. Jung. So, you know, I would, I would say that Carl Jung is not the first guy to, you know, to talk about it. So many Indigenous cultures you know, have been teaching this philosophy. It's not new stuff, but he's the man who brought it to the forefront of our world or our Western world rather. Um, And there's some beautiful quotes um, on what the shadow is. Yeah, but basically you have light, you have dark and you have shadow. Shadow is not the same as dark. It's two different things. Shadow is just what you cannot or are unwilling to see. Dark refer to like the qualities of your human expression that we don't really like, we don't really want, you know, the badness, all of the evil, that kind of thing. So if you look, if you use that as a map, then you can kind of divide human beings. It's very crude and it's not the truth of who we are, but it's useful. Yeah. Divide human beings into basically a circle. You've got the light at the top, the dark at the bottom. You draw a, a, a line down the middle. You've got feminine on one side and masculine on the other side. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the oversimplification of what a human is. And where we want people to be is like choose the upper quadrant on either side. It's like mm. either be a light man or a light woman, but don't be the dark on either side. Yeah. Now, I know that you're talking about good and evil and and all of that kind of stuff, but it draws a very interesting analogy into what's happening cosmically now mm. when it comes to race <clears throat> because it was like it was like in the middle of COVID-19, um, we were all locked at home. We were all locked at home with our shadows. We were mm. all, and the world was going just bonkers, like, you know, and it was really overwhelming to look at. But I feel like what's happening right now is it's calling us to reframe all of this and confront the parts of ourselves that hold these unhelpful ideas. And, yeah, I don't know, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. That's an important point mm. because when the uprising of Black Lives Matter was happening, that was a very that was a very edgy thing that a lot of people were talking yeah. about, you know, it's something that I've written about before, but it, because humans can be so fucking stupid and literal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Constantly <laughs> demonizing the darkness. And you see someone with, with black skin in your fucking psyche, you're going to equate that to evil, to darkness, to bad, to Satan. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that is a huge part of the roots of racism is that yeah. there's a whole there's a whole group of people with dark skin and you have this belief that light is better than dark. It's like, of course that's going to fuck some shit up. It's <laughs> Which is, and it's logical, but the funny thing is that Jesus was brown. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to like, know that. Oh, let's, let's sanitize that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's a journey that I've been on because um, when my husband, my ex-husband started to really, When we started to deconstruct, we had to think about, does God actually hate homosexuals? Mm. Is that, uh, you know, and um, because he was a survivor or he is a survivor of gay gay conversion therapy, which is (sighs) just so terrible. Yeah, just so terrible. Um, But we really had to start looking at these things that we hadn't wanted to look at. Um, And I guess in a way that was doing some of that shadow work. But in doing some of that shadow work, we were starting to look at other things 
that the church had held as sacred and go, well, that's nowhere in the Bible. Um, or go, well, this, this is not actually expressing love, which is the great commandment that Jesus had given us. So then we're going, okay, who the hell is Jesus then? Like we've got these systems that are built around, you know, supposedly representing Jesus on earth and doing no such thing. So now in my post-Christian space, I still love Jesus. Yeah. Mm. But I still, like when I go to say God though, I, I, I stutter a little. Interesting. Because I, that, that word is so imbued with meaning mm. that I don't think expresses the divine as it actually is. Yeah. And um, so when we like, I kind of like the, I love the philosophy of things. And I guess that pulls to that upper level of those chakras, but now I'm kind of drawn down into that density of, okay, um, we were taught that our bodies were evil, but they're not, they're intelligent. They, they keep us alive. There's so many metabolic processes going on and energetic processes going on without us even knowing it. These bodies are so amazing and and the nervous systems that, that animate all of this where is consciousness located in our body is not just in our brain and so I guess it's being drawn down into that density but the one thing I never thought I'd have to deconstruct is purity culture which is all about <laughs> which is all about sexuality which is why sometimes I like I see your stuff and I'm like wow <laughs> this is confronting I'm gonna look at it <laughs> You know, I've had so many people follow me and unfollow me over the years uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, they'll love what I'm talking about and then I'll say some shit that'll just be like, oh, not that. <laughs> you didn't say that. Too hard. Too hard. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, it's it's a big one. There's so many, there's so many um, undoings, you know. There's so many undoings that I just feel like once you start, you can't turn your back on it. You can't, like, you can't just go halfway through your liberation. It's like, it's going to keep happening. You're going to keep unraveling and keep unlearning. Um, and I, I think there just has to come a point where you just surrender to it. Yeah. You just say, all right, it's not God testing me or teaching me. It's me. It's me. Like, I remember being in church. There was a song we used to sing. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> oh, here we go. This will be interesting. Yeah, but it was about it was about like wanting to be a true like a true worshiper or something like that. Like, like really wanting to know God. <clears throat> and I remember like singing that song, and praying so fervently. I really want to know God at the deepest level. Yeah. And I, I there are so like many songs just that spring to mind right now. <laughs> but I feel like that prayer worked. I feel like that's yeah. what I'm doing. I feel like. Anything that is in the way of me and God, which my interpretation of God is the, the interconnectedness of all things, yeah, um, is the divinity of life. It's just, it's just collapsing. It's collapsing, yeah. and every time I find a new thing, and it's like, oh, but I love that thing. But now it's, it's gone because that was separating me from the divinity of life. And so, yeah, it gets more and more um, simple the more I go. That it just gets simpler and simpler and simpler and um, stripping mm. away. Stri it's, it's like stripping. It's like literally like stripping. It's just like there's like this beautiful, like sexy, erotic tease that I'm having with life. I'm just like taking <laughs> my clothes off, taking my clothes off. It's like it's sexy and it's liberating. That's how I see it. <clears throat> that's, that's you know, I love that. I love that. I remember um, moving from I'm a post-disfellowship um, from my, my dad's church, um, <clears throat> I went into a Baptist church, which was just a polar opposite experience spiritually. And I remember the minister there saying that he holds people loosely mm. um, because you can't, he's like, they're not mine to hold. Mm. And that was a paradigm shift for me because I was like, at that point, starting to become aware that um, that sexuality really was an issue um, for my husband mm. and going, okay, I can fight like hell for my marriage, and I did, and I don't regret it, not for a minute, but I feel like our marriage transcended. It didn't dissolve, it transcended because supporting him through realising that 
God loves him not despite his sexuality mm-hmm. but because of it. Mm-hmm. And it was doing a disservice to himself to not be authentic in the world, um, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, I, I realised, okay, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to hold on to this, mm-hmm. but if I'm just like tensed up and striving to hold this together and, and viewing myself as a failure if I divorce or if I can't, mm-hmm then I am making myself miserable when I can enjoy this time, this gift for what it is, and then kind of, and don't get me wrong, I mean, after we broke up um, and it was a beautiful breakup, he was like, look, we're doing well, but this is still a thing. Let's let's recognise in each other the, you know, the, that we deserve to be loved fully and to love fully. Yes. And it was really beautiful. And, you know, after two weeks on on the anxiety diet, I shredded some pounds and put them back <laughs> all on in quarantine and, and I cried and I grieved and then I sat back and went, okay, but what is this gift giving me? Mm. And I'm learning to hold things so loosely. Mm-hmm. But it also means, oddly, um, that I don't go grasping for things in the same way that I used to. And money is a classic example. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going, oh, single mum working part-time in her own business. Holy shit. And yeah. yet new contracts always drop exactly when I need them to. I never advertise. It's always word of mouth. And I feel like the, the divine, the universe is still like, you know, I got your back. But I think part of that is in holding things loosely. Absolutely. I agree. And in the surrender, you know, the surrender is the most terrifying and liberating thing. It is. It's very difficult for us. We've, we have to know, we have to control, we have to like, you know, we have to think we're on the right path in order mm. for us to walk it. And I've just had so many moments in the last year. Um, the biggest personal development I did last year was body work. So I was working okay. with a guy named Bruce Scott who he does like acro yoga, right? So it's like you put what is that? Like in all these, it's like essentially like um you ever seen them sometimes at the beach where there's like a person, they got their legs up and there's a person like hanging on them and then they turn them around in this position. Oh my god, no. Basically you're in all these like stretching positions. Um and because of the way you're breathing, you're opening your body and you're breathing so deeply, you're almost having like a psychedelic experience. Wow. You're so deeply in your own body, right? And you're being flooded with oxygen and you're yeah able to release and move all of this stuff so I, I worked with him last year and I had the most profound healing from my Christian trauma wow. that I've ever had in any other process I remember um just going to these places and finding like just this the seeds and the roots of so much like entrapment in my own yeah. body and like bawling and just yeah. and letting it all go um and it was so healing to know that no one was healing me. I was yeah. I was doing it myself. Like I was just going into my own body, finding the thing, like the the source of the stuff and just like watching it disintegrate. I can't even remember why I started telling that story. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter. It was a great story. <laughs> but it, was, it was related to what we were talking about. Why did I start talking about that? Surrender. Wow. Surrender. surrender. That's right. Yeah. Because the magic of the healing was in the surrendering. It was like you're there and you just have to breathe and that's all you can do. And if you resist it and you resist it, it's like you know that you're fighting it. <laughs> when you just fully open and let go, that's when all the shit can come up. Yeah. And it just wants to be revealed and it just wants to essentially go back into circulation. Yeah. And, and I, what I'm learning, which is really helpful for me, and just cut me off at any point because I tend to ramble. No, no, go for it. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm loving this. There's 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 universal laws, mm. which is how the universe works, how the natural universe works, how life works. And then there's human law. Yeah. This is like societal, an overlay, like a societal overlay, right? Yeah. And we often get confused about which is which. We don't actually know a lot about universal laws and we call that science, but there's also the mystical aspect of that, right? So manifestation, how does that work, right? And energy and how does that work and intention and presence and focus and that's all universal laws. Yeah. And when you can tap into universal laws, you can bend reality to suit your intention. You can do that. And that's what we call manifestation. Exactly. Manifestation. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's fun. And we, you know, we, we're getting very excited about that. Mm-hmm. And we're still kind of trapped in the arbitrary overlay of societal laws. <laughs> that's where we fuck ourselves up because 
we think that we have to adhere to these societal laws, but they're not actually universal and they're not natural laws. Right. For me, anytime that I'm stuck in like an anguish or some kind of like, I'm just like, this is an arbitrary, you're choosing to suffer because you're trying to adhere to an overlay of man's law, which Mm -hmm. is actually, it's made up. It's a construct. Yeah. You're trying to live within a construct that's totally made up why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Yourself go. You know, yeah. That, that's what kept me sane in lockdown. Yeah. I was like, I can't dance. I can't do this. I can't say like, that's man's law. You can fucking dance, go walk onto your street and dance. And I would do that. I would yeah. put my headphones on, go to the fucking park and dance like a crazy person. That's what <laughs> kept me sane. That was yeah. me claiming my aliveness. Yeah. Now, and obviously when you say arbitrary man's law is like, you know, we're not advo- we're not advocating to make fucking like American and mass shoot anything. I'm not anti-American. I'm not anti-American. <laughs> but this is about reclaiming our right to express our highest good, no matter what mm-hmm. people think or people see. And um, yeah, I, I do love that. My little girl is teaching me about this. She's three. Mm. She's just started to. Um, have ballet lessons mm. because she just loves dance and um she's but the thing that has also really struck me is she loves makeup mm. and so I've been kind of um and and you know I sing a lot to her so I've made up this little like thing about makeup and it's about you know you're beautiful without it never ever doubt it but then it's about like but if you want to express yourself what that way that's fine because makeup I think should be about self-expression and not about confirmation to other people's ideals, like dancing like a crazy person in a park. I think that's wonderful. (laughs) But yeah. I was that kid. I was that three-year-old kid who loved makeup. I Mm. loved it. Yes, still do. Yeah. It's for me, it's like a tool of expression and also transformation. Mm -hmm. And like, that's one thing that I also really I'm fiercely protective of within myself and, you know, for my community and something that I talk about a lot. It's like, you have the right to change. Yeah. You have the right to transform. You know, it's, that's who we are. We are evolving adaptive beings. So, you know, that's like, that's a really huge though. You have the right to change. Mm -hmm. And when we've come from these structured environments that often tell us you have the right to change this way. Mm. to to shave off this part of you or that part of you to cease this behavior to manifest this behavior instead and even the term manifest from my own my old experience to manifest meant to show some demonic kind of characteristic whereas now I'm kind of reclaiming that um, that word to be a positive thing to to manifest goals means to embody them, to mm. you know to to call them into being. To manifest is a form of faith. Mm. It just doesn't fit with the old vernacular, the old the old lexicon of how you should imbue certain words with certain meanings. And yeah. you know, yeah, self expression is certainly something because if we want to grow, it means to become bigger. It means to you know transcend a little bit it means to be able to kind of expand and you know yeah it's interesting it's Mm. a natural part of our coding all nature is constantly evolving and changing Mm. nothing is a static even if it appears so um the beautiful thing that we have as human beings is that we have agency in terms of how we choose to grow or how we choose to evolve and that's that's amazing and that is agency that we don't often exercise um, and we forget and we forget and we let ourselves be changed by the conditions of our life, the circumstances, you know, the the families that we're born into. Yeah. But my wish is for everyone to 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 just remember that you always have even the tiniest choice, even the tiniest agency, you know, and even if you can only exercise a tiny bit of that, like that's really where your freeness is, you know, in you choosing. Yeah, and that is powerful because a lot of people um, who have left controlling groups, like really controlling groups, they'll struggle to even go. Oh, I've got an open. I've got to open a bank account. Uh, uh, we, yeah, and yet there's this. They just get frozen up. That 
if you make a choice to open a bank account at a certain bank, that's agency. Um, It might take you a long time to reclaim the kind of agency that lets you think and philosophize and redefine your relationship with the divine, to redefine your relationship with your body, to to actually be able to sit and read Eckhart Tolle or, you know, Carl Jung and not feel like you're sinning against the establishments because these names were blacklisted or whatever, but you can grow agency and it's important to do so. And I also think it's really important to do away with this Calvinistic idea of total depravity because that takes away the seed of goodness that's in all of us and it divorces us from our ability to lean into that goodness and go to how do I think of this? How do I sense it? How do I feel it? What 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 is the right thing to do in this moment? What is my ethic? Yes. So yeah, that that's huge. Mm. You know, I, I didn't really understand about ethics. It wasn't. I actually learned a lot of my stuff about ethics and integrity when I was doing Scientology. That's where I got a lot of my definitions from. So wow. you know, if anyone wants to ask me about that, we can talk about that because <laughs> I know that's another controversial religion. Yeah. Um. But you know, the thing that often religion takes from us or any kind of cult-like or massive thing is it it takes it takes away our ethics and it makes those decisions for us yes yes and that is a problem because when you have a whole group of people who have lost their connection to their own sense of goodness yes their own sense of rightness and you know their own inner moral compass that's a big problem you Mm -hmm. know because you you're essentially you you've got all these programmable people yeah and you can then go and tell them what to do and it's like I mean we see that you know it's not just religion like we see that everywhere so I think that um for me one of the big things has been learning to see people and it doesn't matter what they've done to be able to and you said it you said like find the seed of good that is within them like to be able to do that with every single person especially the most triggering people your abuser, your ex-pastor, your Donald Trump, you know, these people that we we point the finger and say, you are evil, you are the epitome of what is everything that's wrong in the world. It's like, well, okay, what if you could like fully see the divinity in them and then the role that and the role that they are playing (sighs) in the evolution of your growth, your spiritual growth? Like for me, that that is the lesson it doesn't justify what they've done it doesn't excuse it but it helps you alchemize your experience and turn it into love you know and like turn it into gold like Mm. that that for me is the medicine that that word alchemy alchemize is is a really interesting one because um when you've come from a position of going okay this is absolute truth and then you land in a position where you're kind of trying to find truth and trying to feel truth. And and the the term alchemy can be a little bit of a challenging one because it's what we make of situations, isn't it? It's what we make of what we're given. And, um, yeah, that's that's a journey in and of itself. And I find it you're not the first person who has mentioned Scientology. Um, You're not a Scientologist, though, are you? I'm not at anything. I'm not at anything. Okay, curious human. I'm coming back to that. (laughs) I'm coming back to that. Um, I think, like, people ask me all the time, you know, why do people join cults? I'm like, you don't. You don't join a cult. You you meet the most beautiful group of people that you've ever met and you're introduced to this expansive way of thinking and then there's this process that by which you start to give over more and more information, more and more personal freedom, more and more control. But it's like there's this bell curve and at the beginning of the bell curve, we get something from it. We become more empowered. We become more socially connected or whatever it is. We have something helpful that we get from that. And then there's a point at which either we disengage and go, this is no longer helpful for me this is heading in a toxic direction or we continue on that toxic direction we end up entrapped so um i think agency is the key to this is to never let let go of your agency that is it that Mm. is it you know people often warn me you know because i i have another um training so one of the primary modalities that i use is called the spiral it's a registered modality a lot of people say it's a cult you know or landmarks a cult it's like what what are the hallmarks of what a cult is? If you actually look at them, you could say society is a fucking cult <laughs> because it is. Oh, yes. You all your information. What information do do does our government 
not know about me now. You know where no. I you know, I fucking eat Facebook. It's a yeah. cult. Instagram mm. is a cult. It's like I have given up my agency and given everything to be a part of this thing because I, I like what I feel when I'm part of it. And so yes. I don't know, maybe I'm different is that I just don't have any like, I don't have any fear going into things because I trust myself enough and maybe coming through that Christian kind of thing and being exposed to so many things. I just feel like I know at my core that I'm free. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of death because to me, personal freedom is more important than death. Mm. So if if there was a choice for me, if I'm in a situation and someone's like, do this or I'll fucking kill you. For me, I'm just like, kill me. (laughs) Yeah. Kill me. If, if that's the threat choose between like my spiritual freedom and like choice in that moment, Mm. fucking kill me, you know, but I think like being willing to stand for yourself and your liberation at that level is how you get and that's the thing that we need to rehabilitate rehabilitate yes yes it's not like yes yes you can fucking demonize every cult that exists every church every religion every whatever but on some level Mm -hmm. we are choosing that yeah on some level like i i choose my choices yeah and so if we can actually teach people and of course it's hard if you fucking grow up in a cult they're not going to be teaching you this stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have to work hard for those learnings (laughs) yeah it's difficult but you know but i I have some clients who've escaped cults you know like like, hectic christian cults and they Mm. escaped so why did they escape and someone else didn't yeah there's something in them that yeah they just had this level of re- like rebellious spiritual nature that made them hit a point where they were like fuck this my life is more important yeah like, yeah i respect that yeah and even the word rebellion rebellious that's a word that's been demonized demonized but jesus was rebellious as heck Jesus, that's the fucking ultimate rebel. <laughs> I know. I just, I just absolutely love it. Um, but okay, now I've got to ask you about royalty rising. Talk yes. to me about royalty rising because yes. this is a course that you're running. Um, it seems like you're the kind of coach that demands a lot of people in terms of them actually doing the work and going <laughs> deep, and um, which is. And I love, though, when you find coaches that the the, the deepness that they want you to, to get to plumb is not to become little images of them, oh, but actually a true image of who we ourselves truly are. So, but anyway, it doesn't matter. That's my little rant. So yeah, tell no, me about Royalty Rising. Yeah, so Royalty Rising, um, so basically it's like a, a nine-week program. Uh, it uses the structure of the chakra system Mm -hmm. and it uses a modality that I'm trading called the spiral. So you essentially go through the spiral, which is an ascension model. It doesn't mean that you're going up and then you're not inhabiting your body. For me, it's like about getting more access to the full spectrum of who you are, the spectrum, the the spectrum of consciousness. Um, Every week we do a group call. And in those group courses where I kind of teach like the transmission, I give you things, uh, it might be teaching about, you know, essential polarity. It might be teaching about, okay, how to move emotion and trauma from your body. It might be teaching about authentic self-expression. It might mm-hmm. be about like what love is, you know, these are things that are, I guess, like I've drawn from my experiences, but it's always presented in a way that try this on, does this resonate, yeah. try it out. What are your thoughts on this? It's like, it's very like, fluid yeah and I'm always like I'm always teaching from the moment so it's like whatever I feel is authentically needed in that moment that's what I'm teaching mm. and then there's one-on-one sessions as well and the one-on-one sessions is where we get to go deep into your personal story yeah. and have a look at you know why you do the things you do that you really wish you weren't doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we get to actually give you that transformation and the liberation you know my my I guess the intended outcomes for every woman that works with me, primarily I work with women. I don't always work with women. Mm-hmm. I also have some clients who are non-binary, gender non-conforming. I work with some men, but in Royalty Rising, usually I work with women. Um, I'm always holding the outcome that what you get is your freedom, your power, your choice, your agency. That's what yeah. I want for people. So, you know, if at the end of the program you're like, Alpha's fucking full of shit and <laughs> I I quit this fucking program and I'm going to go and, like, open my own brothel, I will celebrate you. If that's genuinely your authentic, like, yes, that's fucking amazing, especially if you're someone your whole life, you've done every fucking program under- <laughs> because you think you're not good enough as you are, like, 
that's progress. I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm my job right. So yeah, definitely like I'm about liberating our truest, most authentic expression and not just like for the sake of being a reckless human and hurting people, but like doing yeah. that with your heart open, doing that with your full sensitivity and being able to feel how interconnected we all are and knowing like the ripple effect of who you are in the world. Like for me, it's about recognizing your significance, your specialness, your magnificence and living from that place. Yeah. Amazing. I look, I think if somebody went into your course somewhat, um, you know, bound up and went out of your course going, fuck it, Alpha's a lunatic, I'm opening a brothel, That's that represents a pretty big step up into agency. Totally. <laughs> Ironic. Um, yeah, look. It's tell us my what- dreams, to be honest. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's just wonderful. Look, there are so many things that I was going to ask you along the way and the conversation just, just didn't go there, so maybe we'll catch up another, another I time. Mean. I apologise. Oh, no. <laughs> I tend to just run with the tangents because, um, you know, there's things that just want to come out in a moment. And I think today um, holding on to like those lessons about really not being afraid of the shadows, about integrating dark, dense spaces into our experience as good, um, as good things to kind of look at and see and understand. And that that's, was really beautiful, but also about agency and about seeing the divine in all things. As I continue on this journey with Unchurchable this year, I really want to be learning to inhabit spiritual practice in a more healthy and authentic way. So I think you've given us a lot of keys today. Tell us where we can find you on the socials. Yep. So if you go to Instagram, it's just Alpha Mama, A L P H A M A M A. I'm on Facebook as well, Alpha Mama Music. I have a link tree, which is linktr.ee slash Alpha Mama. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty visible on the internet. If you yeah. type it in Google, you will find all my things. And yeah, and also I'm very community focused. If you send me a message, I will always reply, if not immediately in the next, like in the few days. Yes. For me, like being accessible is is a core value of mine. So just send me a message if you're listening to this and you want to fight me on something or something resonates. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> if you want to fight me, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for our first session, but definitely not our last, Alpha oh. Mama. This is Unchurchable. I'm Kit Kennedy, and I hope you have enjoyed uh, the one-year anniversary edition. Yay. Thanks <laughs> for having me.